0: Hi everyone, my name is Cassidy and my name is Evan and welcome back to the Nerd and Normal podcast where we talk a little bit of nerdy and a whole lot of normal and to start our episode off Evan is going to tell a fun fact about himself.
1: All right, so I'm Evan as you know, uh, a quick fun fact about myself is that apparently it is very easy to get me to buy something because after mm-hmm. last week where we talked about that uh, Vision comic, do you remember it Cass? Yes. So I went out, and I started looking around for the second volume, and I finally found it, and I finally read it after seven years. Oh my god.
0: Wow, seven years, that's like a whole-ass child. Alrighty, well, did you read it? Was it good?
1: It was exactly what I was hoping it would be. It was... That's good. Oh man, such a great ending. I'm not gonna spoil anything, but it did kind of make me cry. After reading it, it is... It's very wordy, but in a good sense, if you understand, if that sort of tracks, you know?
0: So it's like you.
1: Exactly. Exactly. It's literally written for me.
0: (laughs) We love that, Evan.
1: But hey, that's Evan's week, because that's pretty much the main thing a note lately. Other Mm -hmm. than just me being nerdy the other day and doing a Pokemon event with Rudy and the others, but yeah.
0: Nice. Did you catch anything? Yeah,
1: we caught some good stuff. Rudy made out like a bandit because it was his favorite gen. So yay. Congrats we love again, it. Rudy, who's in the podcast listening.
0: Go Rudy. Go Rudy. Go Rudy.
1: <laughs> well yeah, what about your week, Cass? You've got to been you have to have been doing some normal stuff then.
0: Yes, work. I've been working. <laughs> That's pretty much Aww. it. Um Aww. working. I've been super deep cleaning my house because I go on vacation. Uh, I leave next Saturday for my vacation, and then I'm gone for a week. I don't want to come back to a dirty house, so it's literally been <laughs> it's been working and cleaning. I saw my little sisters the other day, and they swang. We watched Coco Melon, as per usual. We went to the library. That was really fun. Nice. Um, yeah, very normal stuff this week for me. Nothing really interesting our next podcast i'll have some things to say because i'll come back from vacation but
1: that's right yeah
0: this week it's giving normal it's giving normal
1: yeah and this week we're doing something a bit different because we're recording the podcast a bit early like this one is before our first episode even releases because yes. like by the time this one posts you should be back home or close to being back home so that's yeah good.
0: yeah um yeah, I like how we're already having to pre-record and we haven't yeah. even started putting our stuff out yet. <laughs> like,
1: I know. We're, we're prepared. Yeah, we're ready to go, you know? So like if we have to take a month off, we can at least still keep sending stuff out. Yeah, yeah. that actually is a pretty good idea.
0: <laughs> what plan is. We're in our planning era.
1: Exactly.
0: Oh. Alrighty. Well, Adam, do you want to lead into what today's podcast is going to be about?
1: Yeah, might as well. So we were thinking this is going to be our first actual podcast besides introducing ourselves. So we're going to talk about something that's a bit nerdy and a bit normal at the same time. And that is, it's a bit nerdier, but not too much nerdier. And -hmm. we're going to be talking about adaptations of books. We're going to be talking about books into movies and books into TV shows. Because there's some good examples and some bad examples for both. And we're hoping that by the end of this, we'll be able to determine which medium is best for actual book adaptations.
0: Yeah. And no one's safe. No, no show, no movie. None of them are safe.
1: Yep. There might be some books or there might be some shows or some movies that you like that we have choice words about. But yes, probably specifically
0: Evan, because I'm very just. Again, I'm really into bad TVs and bad movies. Like I love them all. So Evan is gonna be the one with the opinions here.
1: Yeah, looking at my list, there's, there's some, there's some that I have words about, but, uh, mm. so yeah, I, I guess really we'll... hope so. We have
0: a podcast.
1: That's true. We got a podcast, so now we actually can say those words. Yay!
0: <laughs> Alrighty, Evan, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first?
1: Uh, how about you go first? Cause we're gonna be starting with. Books into movies. You wanna start with a good example or a bad example?
0: Um, let's start on a high note. Let's let's start with a good example. Okay. And we're doing good movies, right? Good movies. Good
1: movies. Yeah. Good
0: movies. Okay, so I am a reader, however, I kinda leave comics off the table just because I don't really go to a comic book store or anything like that. And sometimes they can get expensive. So I try not to fall for that. But this movie is a comic book, and I feel like a lot of people have seen this movie, and it's revered as one of one of the best comic to movie adaptations ever. So I thought I had to mention it. Um, the movie is Scott Pilgrim versus the World.
1: Okay. Classic.
0: Like, uh, really, it's just a classic. I rewatched it the other day, and I kind of realized, like, this movie, like that movie, would not have been made today. I feel like just because of the Knives storyline, but for those of you who don't know what Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is, it's about this guy named Scott Pilgrim, and he ends up falling in love with this little girl named, well, not little girl, she's very much a woman, Um, he falls in love with this girl named Ramona Flowers, and he wants to date her, and in order to date her, he has to defeat her seven evil exes, right, a seven, right? Yeah. It's seven. Yeah, seven evil exes, and they get harder and harder as like they go on. And he has a band, and you know he he lives a little he lives a good life, right? Yeah. Um, the main character is played by uh, Michael Sarah. Scott Pilgrim is played by Michael Sarah, and I love Michael Sarah. I love his cadence. I love his awkwardness. He just plays the awkward skinny white boy perfectly. And I feel like the casting of everybody is just really perfect. If you haven't seen the movie, you should. Last time I checked, it was on Netflix, if you guys want to know a little bit more of what I'm talking about. But yeah, Evan, you can you can bring in your opinions here if you'd like to. I'll allow it.
1: All right, yeah. So, uh, Unpopular Opinion? I love this movie. That's actually not an unpopular opinion. I'm just joking. I love it. A bit. But it is, it is my favorite Edgar Wright movie. It it like oh, wow. I love Edgar Wright a lot. I mean, he made Hot Fuzz. He made Shaun of the Dead. He made The World's <laughs> End. He made I the best like parts that of that the original Ant Man. Oh, no, I such didn't a... know that. Oh yeah, yeah. So pretty much, uh, Edgar Wright was going to write and direct Ant Man, but then he was fired because uh, reasons. I can't remember specifically, but I think he disagreed with what Marvel wanted him to do. they still kept some of his stuff like the luis when he goes into the you know there's the drum beats and then he goes into that over embellished story like that was classic edgar wright right there
0: oh well we love it we love edgar wright what he did in scott pilgrim versus the world alone
1: yes let's stick on scott pilgrim because i i really love that movie like for one like it's One of those movies where it's a celebration of nerds without feeling like it's talking down to them, you know?
0: It is. One thing I really love about Scott Pilgrim, too, is the way it feels like a comic book. Like, Marvel movies obviously stem from comic books, but they don't feel like comic book movies. They feel like movies. And that makes sense because it's a different universe and everything, but it doesn't feel like a comic book. Scott Pilgrim, when you watch it, it feels like a comic book. The way the transitions from one scene to another are, from the comic book writing, like uh, when Knives knocks on the door and it says, knock, 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 it feels like a comic book. Just every, the the fight scenes are filmed like a comic book. It's just, it's beautiful. I love to see it.
1: It is so well made. I have read the comic books, actually, or the graphic novels as they are. But so the thing is that, the i i still love the movie but (laughs) it's not the best adaptation of the comics unfortunately it's Mm -hmm. close it's very close but there's some stuff like uh the twins for example there's a pair of twins in the movie who are two of the evil exes and in the movie they function very much like they're just henchmen they're just serving the main bad guy the final evil ex but In the actual graphic novels, they got whole personalities to themselves. Like, they're actually more unique characters with some writing. And, like, I get why they had to cut that, because you can't... The movie's already two hours long, so there's... You know, something has to give when you're adapting, like, six full-length graphic novels into one two-hour movie.
0: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say, is you kind of have to give them a little leeway, because you have all these hours invested into comic books versus... You have a two-hour, already a long movie, a two-hour allotment. So sometimes you have to dumb things down a little bit.
1: I have had this conversation with one of my friends who loves the graphic novels and is a bit mixed on the movie. Uh, The argument that I heard was that it should have been two movies, which I agree with. If it were two movies, I would have loved that. But also... I don't think we would have gotten two movies, because this movie, no. it failed at the box office. It failed pretty badly.
0: Yeah, but it somehow it became a cool classic.
1: I know, <laughs> with good reason.
0: Interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving on a little bit. So my example for a good movie from a book, uh, kind of interestingly, from what I've heard is a bad book, uh, is The Martian.
0: Uh, we love The Martian.
1: The Martian is great. So basically, for those who don't know, The Martian is about... So it's set kind of in the future, but still in modern-day realism. Because it's basically following this astronaut who gets left behind on the planet Mars after his crew assumes that he's dead. And he has to survive and try and find a way back to Earth. And it's really... So the movie is excellent. Uh, you got <laughs> Matt Damon in the lead role. He is phenomenal.
0: He does a good job.
1: And it's great because it takes all of these scientific topics and instead of making it, it is kind of a think piece movie, but instead of making it a real pretentious one, it makes it enjoyable, fun, and accessible for everybody. Like, And there's no antagonist. There's no big evil force outside of just surviving. And I really love that.
0: I do too. I really love the Martian, actually. My stepdad showed me it, I think, during quarantine. So I think I was late to the game. But I really... I I mean, we know. I love space. I love science. I love the idea of being stuck on Mars, no matter how scary it is. Um, I also liked how realistic it is. Like, He's alone on Mars. He's lonely. All he has is hope that the people on Earth are going to come back and save him. And there's even the conversation that I think is really realistic that of like the idea that well, maybe we shouldn't go back and save him. Like we don't have the money. We don't have the resources. Like maybe he's just going to have to die there. And that sounds really sad, but it's true. It felt really true. Like, I mean, outside of the the spaceship that they're on to come back from Mars, yep. it, it was a very realistic movie to me. It felt like, yeah,
1: and also despite how grim we made it sound, it's also a really funny movie a lot of the time.
0: Oh yeah, it has, it balances humor and the the grimness of it. It's not even yeah, gory, but I like the grimness of it very grimmer, well.
1: Grim or I think dark. Yeah, yeah the yeah. darkness
0: of it. That's a good description.
1: Mm-hmm. It really balances it so well because there's and not in a tonal whiplash sort of sense because there's times where uh, he'll be talking in a video diary to his family about how if he never comes back he doesn't know what he would have done different what he could have changed how he's really feeling hopeless and then you've got times where he's joking about using his own shit to you know fertilize food and crops (laughs) and then just the uh, and his interactions with the people back on earth and also that's the other thing it's not I really like how the movie isn't just limited to him. It focuses on the people trying to get him back. And it's like how they on Earth are the ones to realize that he's still up there.
0: Yes. I I don't know. There's something about that movie. It's a hard watch for me just because, like, the idea of that is so scary. Mm-hmm. And, I mean... We we all know NASA's thinking about trying to go to Mars at some point. It's always it's always been a thing that's been around. So, the Martian is always kind of scary to me cuz like, oh my god, like that could be that could be reality for us. And that's really scary and space is scary. But exactly. I just I really feel like the the movie could not have been done without uh, Matt Damon. He just, he was perfect in The Martian. The whole scene where he was like you know, if I never have to eat a potato again for the rest of my life, I'll be fine. And he can't handle potatoes or ketchup or anything anymore because it's the only thing that he has available. I laugh so hard every time I see that scene. But it, it's a really good movie. I feel like if people haven't watched it, they should. I don't know where it's Absolutely.
1: available. I um, think it's on Amazon. I, okay. I'm not 100% though. Yeah. Yeah,
0: um, yeah. And I don't know how it is to the book. I've never read the book.
1: Yeah. So, so... if you've
0: read the book, you can put some insight on that.
1: I haven't read the book, but I do have family members who have read the book. And from what I've heard, it's not the best. Like they keep this the plot structure is pretty much the same. However, so from what I've heard about it, uh the guy who wrote the book was originally like a scientist. I can't remember exactly what field, maybe Rudy can check for us, but I know that he was Deep into science, he got, like, his PhD in everything, and the book was written much more like a technical manual than a piece of literature, if that makes sense. Okay. Where how the movie was able to effectively balance the science and the entertainment value, the book very much was a more technical side of things. It's sort of like, like Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, where you know Tolkien goes on about hills and nature and the plot stuff is really secondary yeah it's sort of like the science and like it's cool having science as the main driving force as the main point of the book but when you compare it to the movie which i think has that perfect balance of education and entertainment it does fall flat a little bit
0: mm. So the movie's better is what we're saying.
1: <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. The movie's better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the movie was amazing. And as someone who I love trash movies, this is not a trash movie by any means. This is a really good, well producted movie with a pretty good cast, too, from what I remember outside of Matt Damon, like the people who are working for NASA. I, ex- I forget exactly who's working.
1: Uh, Donald Glover was there. Yes. Donald I'm Glover. always I'm always going to point him out after watching yeah. Community.
0: That's so funny. You think of him as community, I think of him as Childish Gambino. Yeah. <laughs> but, good cast all around, and a good
1: watch. So we got word from Rudy that the person who wrote The Martian was a former computer programmer, but his dad was a physicist. Ooh. So, that does make sense, how he has that more technical side of things in writing, because yeah, Andy Weir, I forgot his name, good catch there. Nice. So, he seems like like, again, mad respect to him for going from being a computer programmer to a successful author. And, like, yeah, I know he's written, I want to say, three books. And I know that oh. at least one more is getting turned into a movie.
0: Oh. So you have more to look forward to with him.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's
0: well, that'll good. That'll be
1: good. But going from good movies to bad ones, uh, yeah, these are... So, I, mine, I have a lot to say about, unfortunately. Do you want to go first, Cass, or...?
0: Yeah, I can go first if you want me to.
1: Okay. Um,
0: my bad movie, if anybody knows me, they're, they know it's coming. Um, if you know me at all, like an inkling, a drop in the ocean of me, you'll know that this one's coming. Um, because it is also one of my favorite movies of all time. But I'd like to put it on the record that I know it's a bad movie, and that I know it's not the best adaptation ever. Um, this movie, for those of you who don't know me, is Twilight. I love Twilight. I'm Team Edward for Life, but it has to be one of the most god-awful adaptations ever. <laughs> it's like, it's really bad. Um, Twilight was written by Stephanie Meyer, and oh my gosh, I don't even know how to explain the book without going into it because it is a book full of four it's it's a four series book right whatever no what am i trying to say four book series yes i was like that wasn't right (laughs) um but i'm specifically talking about twilight the first one because that is by far i think the worst adaptation for those of you who don't live on earth i guess and have never heard of twilight or don't know what it is um it's about this girl named bella and she's just this regular smegular girl who moves from Arizona to Forks, Washington, where it rains 24-7. And um, she moves with her dad. And she meets this guy named Edward. And (laughs) plot twist, if you don't know already, Edward is a vampire. And he sparkles in the sun and everything. And in the plot of Twilight specifically, uh, this other vampire named James, he kind of has his own coven. they are passing through Forks when... They come across Bella. The thing about Bella that's very special about her is she just smells really good. She smells very yummy. I don't know. That's literally how they explain it. Her blood is like, quote unquote, sweeter than like she smells, quote unquote, sweeter. So James wants to eat her. And uh, they go back to Arizona um, trying to run away from him. But James says, ah uh, plot twist i have your family actually you should let me eat you and i'll let them go Be- and you know what she does she goes to him because she believes she believes that he, this vampire who wants to kill her is really going to release her family without but another any plot stick twist, of evidence yes <laughs> plot twist she, he doesn't have her family edward comes they ex-nay uh james and then they move on to new moon right
1: to the next book yeah and to
0: the next book but we're sticking with twilight yeah now, Twilight, I think the problem of it is is I feel like Edward is played so perfectly. I know that sounds so bad because he is notoriously like Robert Pattinson who plays Edward is falling flat in Twilight, but if you read the books, Edward does have a stick up his ass.
1: So and he is as boring as he was in the movie is what He is saying.
0: he's as boring as he was in the movie personally. That's the way I take it. He does have a personality that I think isn't shown in the, in the movie. But in the book, it also is, again, falling flat. And I think that it falls flat for the intention of protecting Bella. Because the whole time he's like, Bella shouldn't be in love with me. Like She needs to be protected. And the best way for her to be protected is to be away from me. So he makes his, you know, uh, personality fall flat.
1: Right. Okay, then. that. But... Makes a bit more sense at least, but Yeah.
0: So I let it slide.
1: (laughs) we all know that Twilight was sort of the punching bag the movie was sort of the punching bag of the internet for a while.
0: Yes, it still is.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, not as bad as something like fucking fifty shades of gray. Oh fuck.
0: Oh. We love it. It's kind of actually a good adaptation, but I kind of left it out because it's a little
1: Cass. Oh my god.
0: It's a good adaptation, honestly. Like if you're asking me, like the whole series is a really good adaptation, but we're not talking about that.
1: <laughs> no we aren't. Let's let's stay that's that's a whole other can of worms to open up later.
0: Yeah. We'll talk but, about that on our personal time. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: but I But don't, so you know I've seen the movie. I've seen some of the movies. Yes. Uh I still don't know why I saw them. Probably never will. Uh it per, so I don't think Twilight is a bad movie. I think it is a boring movie. It's cuz like it doesn't feel like things happen, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: I was I was going to say too, um Edward falls flat in the movie, but Bella severely falls flat in the movie. One thing about Bella in the books is she actually has this really she's a comedian. Like literally this girl is so funny. Like she has so many good one-liners and just like She's like this personality in the books where she's sarcastic, she's funny, she's prettier than she realizes. Like all these men are like in love with her in Forks, and she doesn't even realize because she thinks she's boring. But you find out in well, Stephanie Meyer released a book called Midnight Suns. It's Twilight in Edward's perspective. You find out how many men just realize how gorgeous Bella is, and she doesn't realize this. So she's like the whole package. She's funny. Her dad's the sheriff of the town, so she's like really well known. Um, she then comes you've from got money. the
1: movie adaptation.
0: Yeah. yeah, and in the movie, Kristen Stewart, like, I love her as a person. I think she's really funny. I wish they had just made Bella have a personality because they make her this like open mouth, gasping girl this whole time. And I don't know, the director of this movie is Catherine Hardwick. I don't know if that's what she wanted, but that's what she made Bella to be. And Bella, I don't know, in the future movie, she has to hold this boring personality, and it really brings the whole tone down.
1: I don't know. It does sound like the books were better. I'm not going to read them.
0: No, that's an investment.
1: Yeah. One thing (laughs) I can say with certainty, the books were better. My pick for a bad movie. So my friends probably know this is coming. I've, I screamed about this movie when it first came out because it is so awful. It is so. Bit of Evan backstory here. Growing up, there were three books or three book series which really meant a lot to me. They were Harry Potter, Percy Jackson, which isn't the book we're talking about. funnily enough, and the one that I loved the most, more than any other book series was artemis fowl Mm. i wanted an artemis fowl movie for actual for at least a decade and then we got one holy shit i hated that movie so goddamn much so let me explain artemis fowl because Cass, have you do you know anything about artemis fowl
0: I do not. I feel like I know the way the book looks because I avidly remember a lot of people reading it.
1: Yeah. I just never
0: read it because when I was younger, I was more into the, like, realistic stories, if that makes any right. sense.
1: yeah. No, it so does. Wasn't
0: my, this you know. isn't.
1: So pretty much it follows this 11-year-old kid named Artemis Fowley. And he is a genius. He is the smartest person on Earth, 100%. Like, he is... Brilliant, he comes from money, he is Irish, and he is everything that I want it to be. He's a calculating person, he's smart, he always knows what to do in the situation. And pretty much, uh, his family is torn apart. His father is missing, presumed dead, and his mother has had mental issues since that. So, he has been doing everything in his power to find a solution, and what he finds... Is what people think of as myth he finds a secret underground society of fairies and he realizes that all those myths are true and so here is what makes artemis fowl so good in my opinion in a normal book this is where he goes to them and he asks them for help asks them please please find my father save my mother no no fuck that artemis fowl kidnaps one of them and ransoms her back for money and power he is an awesome character and he like the entire first book is kind of like diehard because it's him protecting his house against all of these fairies that are trying to invade it and like when i say fairies it's more like like kind of fairies but also super super scientifically advanced because like they're an actual militaristic force and it is so cool seeing their society and like there's an actual cat and mouse game of people trying to break in and him fighting them back. And it's this cool sci-fi tech and it's so fucking awesome. And the movie is the biggest pile of garbage because it, in the first book, Artemis Fowl is the villain. He straight up is. He kidnapped somebody. In the movie, Artemis Fowl not only is the good guy, he is stupid. He is incredibly stupid. <laughs> it is horrible writing like like, artemis fowl would i could rant about ways that the book is different but i'll just say that for simplicity's sake the movie is very it's so the book was written for kids the movie is written for pre-kids for like toddlers because it sands down every single rough edge or quote-unquote rough edge that the books had like quick spoilers in the book there's a scene where uh the fairies release a troll onto the house to try and get the uh, to destroy the house and then they can enter because the thing about fairies is they need to be invited in hmm. and so what happens in the books is that uh artemis's butler who's a big hulking russian who's like super powerhouse nonstop. He puts on a suit of medieval armor, picks up a sword and a flail, and he goes to fucking town on that ogre. In the movie, the ogre is some dumb slapstick shit that's taken down by two kids. Yikes. It hurt. It physically hurt me so much. Like, oh god, I cannot rant enough about that movie.
0: I will say. Is It must be frustrating, and I don't understand why the movie the directors decided to go the route of making something that was geared towards kids, towards toddlers. And now I don't know if they did that because toddlers watch things
1: obsessively. That was just me being hyperbolic. It's technically for kids. Because, like, that's the thing. The book was also written for kids, but it had so much more cool stuff in it, you know? Yeah. I still do not know why they made the decisions that they made all i know is that that book was decisions. my childhood it was like the dream adaptation for me because i i even read it after the movie came out i read it to make sure the book was still good the you're like awesome. was this actually as bad as i remember <laughs> like <laughs> yeah no i like i knew that it was worse than the book but i wanted to see if the book was good anyways the book is awesome It's so cool that the book holds up even as an adult, I think. Wow. Like, it's not high literature. It's not the best piece of writing that you will read. But it is supremely entertaining. And, like, while it is written for kids, it's not a kid's book, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. It's definitely, like, a higher level of understanding. Yeah. And it... kids vocabulary with adult subjects almost
1: yeah and like it treats the audience with respect like again artemis is not the villain of the movie he is the villain of the book it's like why they could have portrayed a, like kids can understand complex characters like that i did as a kid so like why make him a hero it's it's so dumb it's so dumb i i hate it so much <laughs> like, okay you're let like, me give you an example like,
0: pain in your voice <laughs> like...
1: so cast you know the umbrella academy right yes you remember uh number five the kid right i
0: love number five number yes
1: five would have number five basically is artemis fowl's personality like if they had gotten the kid who played number five to play artemis fowl that could have been the most perfect casting in the world so just em- Imagine number 5 like fighting like fairies from underground. That Number so 5
0: awesome. has my heart. He's so adorable and cute. I know he's like a spunky little character in love with the mannequin. I don't care.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's just so freaking awesome and I love that show. Yeah. Uh,
0: Already well,
1: uh, so I've ranted about Artemis Fowl for a while. And yeah, I was about
0: to say, let's uh, let's move on to TV show adaptations.
1: I think we should, yeah, because I know that we've got some examples that we both have. Uh, yes. So, do we want to talk about good TV first or bad TV? Because let's do
0: good TV just to keep it synonymous. We did good TV first.
1: Or we did good movies first. Yeah.
0: yeah. Or sorry, good movies. Yes. <laughs> But go ahead, you can, uh, I, I guess I'm a really harsh critic. I don't have any good <laughs> TV adaptations. Um, so Evan's gonna actually pull in my weight a little bit here, and he's gonna bring in two.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've got a few. Uh, for good TV, I, I have really been wanting to talk about these, because, like, it's some recent discoveries that I made that have very quickly become, like, my favorite TV shows, period. Uh, So I'm going to start with the one that I found first. So it's this sci-fi TV series called The Expanse. And I, so I first tried the series when it first came out and I stopped watching it at about the third episode.
0: Big mistake
1: because in my opinion, The Expanse is the greatest science fiction franchise of all time.
0: Oh, wow. I am
1: including Star Wars. I am including okay. Star Trek.
0: Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. We have opinions, okay?
1: Yeah. I'm I'm fine with all the Star Wars fans coming at me. The Expanse is literally perfect science fiction. So uh before I talk, so I've watched the show, I'm reading the books, and then I'm going to watch the show again. But pretty much the basic premise of The Expanse is that it takes place about 300 years into the future. Humanity has colonized the solar system. And there's really okay. three main factions. There's Earth, there's Mars, and there's the Belt, where it's the Belt is basically the asteroid belt and it's all of the different factions that are residing in the different asteroids that have been converted into habitable stations. Oh. And pretty much the franchise kicks off with this girl going missing and someone being hired to track her down and find her, while across the solar system, uh, another ship, or there's the spaceship that is found abandoned. And it's really hard to describe what happens without spoiling stuff, but essentially it follows this four- or five-person crew who are the last survivors of an attack on their ship, And pretty much the entire series is, like, it's about a powder keg that's slowly growing to explode. Like, it's been a good comparison is Game of Thrones because it's all of these complex characters, all of these different factions trying to survive, having their own agendas, trying to realize what their place in the world is and how they can get more stake in it. And there's actually a reason for that because... Uh, after reading the books it turns out that the authors were mentored by george r R. martin for a little bit so that was pretty sick
0: full circle moment
1: exactly and like so here's the reason that so the book and the show are actually really different from each other after reading it there's some characters in the show who die there's some who live where they shouldn't have and it's kind of a different beast but the reason that the show works so well in my opinion one word tension the show is handled so well with tension that at any moment you feel like a main cast member could die and not in that game of thrones sense where oh my god it's so unexpected but in the like sense where it builds tension to a point where you're hoping that people live But if they die, you would understand that, you know? It's not like, oh, surprise, someone just got hit by a missile out of nowhere that we never knew was going to happen. It's like, (laughs) yeah. it is that slow building of tension. And it's also escalation. Because like I said, the series starts with hunting down a missing girl. But like, at the end of the series, I am, I'm not going to say where it is because it's a massive spoiler. But they greatly expand the scope of everything going on. And, like, the main cast is amazing. I don't want to say who they are, because they do change from time to time. But it is. Oh, it's just so great. It is.
0: You made that sound really good. I kind of want to watch it myself now.
1: Yeah. Like, I think the main warning that I would give is that it is a little slow. Like I said, I did leave it after the first three episodes but once you get to the fourth episode you're hooked for good and like so
0: it's like a disney show in that aspect it takes a minute to really like build up the plot and then from there it's really really good
1: kind of yeah because also like i went back to those first three episodes after finishing the series and i am hooked because that's the other thing the show does so well throw away lines brief mentions early in the first episode and the first season come back in major, major ways further down the line. Pretty much everything has importance and everything clicks, you know?
0: Yeah, everything leads back to each other, basically.
1: Yeah. Uh, The one exception to that is that, and this is because the show had to get canceled before it completed all of the books. Oh, boo. There's a storyline in season six which does go nowhere, and is the one dangling thread. But, again, being vague, the creators have hinted that the show could reasonably come back in ten years. In ten! And and after reading the book, it makes sense. It makes Mm. sense. And if it does, I think it could be the greatest TV show I've ever seen. I genuinely do.
0: Even over Firefly? Yes. Oh wow. Right now I
1: even put it over Firefly. That's how much I love oh. this thing.
0: Oh damn.
1: Yeah. It is just so excellent. I've ranted about it for way too long, half an hour. Yeah, I? let's see.
0: <laughs> we can oh. we can move on to your to your, to my option that I'm putting in your hands.
1: Okay. Okay. Cass's option that she's putting in my hands. Okay. Uh, another show I'm pretty sure she hasn't heard of. Uh okay, okay so very different beast. This one is much more realistic. Uh, I discovered it randomly with my family about three months ago now. Uh, It's on Apple TV, and it's Mm. called Slow Horses. No, I haven't heard of it. It's kind of a spy show, but kind of not. Because the basic premise is that it follows... So it's British, and it follows this group of MI5 rejects who, in one way or another... They have supremely messed up, be it leaving a classified document on the bus or accidentally ruining a training exercise that, if it were real, could have killed about, like, 200 people. Like, these are people who, they've really fucked up one way or another. (laughs) And they're basically... It's kind of hard to explain. They're not... It's about how they're always... Forced Back into action in some way Like Each season follows one of the books And I think the first season Is great because it actually The main villains I don't think this is a spoiler The main villains are white nationalists It's people who They kidnap this uh, Arabic kid and they threaten To cut his head off And they live stream (laughs) it and everything And it is They are fucking intimidating they are genuinely terrifying and that's That's the other
0: thing jesus christ
1: yeah like that's the other thing this is another show where it's really tense like there's a lot of situate like the situations evolve constantly to the point where you think you know where it's going to go and then it throws a reasonable curveball at you the main cast they are all screw-ups and the show doesn't shy away from that it's not like oh, they're all screw-ups, but they're good in these situations. No, they they mess up a lot of the time. Yeah. And it's, it's also really incredibly funny. But, like, the main guy, uh, it's this person called Jackson Lamb, and he's played by Gary Oldman. Okay. And he is fat, rude, crass, an asshole, a dick, hates everybody... And is genuinely one of the most unlikable people in existence.
0: So he's like and the I Grinch.
1: love Yeah, he is basically the Grinch on Grinch steroids, I guess. I love that. And I love him so much because he is like it's one of those shows where it has Quippy dialogue without being like Marvel Quippy, you know? It's like it's so fun. It's it's fun. And it is terrifying, again. I want to clarify that. Like, again, those white nationalists, for one thing, that's a fucking... Those white
0: nationalists... It's a fucking
1: real threat, you know? Like, shit.
0: Yeah. You know, they're a threat in real life, too. So... Yeah. We should really be on guard. We (laughs) really
1: should. Yeah. That's the thing. The show treats them as actual threats. Not as, like just i don't want to say cartoon caricatures of white nationalism it's like these are people who you could genuinely look at them and go fuck that person probably exists so that's my second and i i feel so bad for taking up all the good tv spots you know No, you know what that's
0: okay I'm, I'm a harsh critic when it comes to good book to tv adaptations i guess um i really spent like this whole week trying to find one and everyone that i've actually personally read and like watched i was like damn being like realistic these were all kind of bad <laughs> like i don't really know like there's episodes of good ones or like they're really true to the book but then they keep going and they just don't stop which leads me into bad tv shows and one that is actually one that i have personally read um it's kind of funny because the bad movie and the bad tv show are almost basically the same premise but um my bad tv show that i picked is the vampire diaries to talk about today um and i know that that's going to be a shock to a lot of people or people at least who have watched the vampire diaries um, because the show really does have a a cult classic following, and it's one that a lot of people, especially, like, women of my generation, we, we watch, like, once a year. I still do that, even though I think it's a really bad adaptation. The main character of the book in The Vampire Diaries is this girl named Elena, and she is really, really just, she's very self-absorbed. She believes that the sun rises and falls to her, that the world revolves around her. And in the book, they make it well known. As, and the reason she gets away with this is because she's just like so pretty in the book. She's blonde haired, blue eyed, short, skinny, perfect face. She's, she's, she's just like this perfect looking girl. So she gets away with being an asshole, right? And she ends up coming across this guy named Stefan who <gasps> is a vampire.
1: Never would have
0: guessed. <laughs> and, and she decides she wants to leave her boyfriend Matt for him. Uh, it take, basically takes place about her learning that her boyfriend is a vampire and all the crazy mystical things that that comes with. In regards to the book becoming a show, I don't know how that happened. Um, but from episode one, it's very, 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 very clear that the book and the TV show are just going to be two completely different things. And I understand why they made it a different thing, but it makes the show just so completely not an adaptation at this point. So from episode one, they established that Elena is really loyal. She's empathetic. Um, she's really, really smart. She relies on being smart versus being... You know, a person who has people to do things for her, and she relies on being smart over being pretty. So, from episode one, not only do they make Elena not look at all like she's described in the book, which is it sounds really dumb to make that a thing that's so important. But in the book, they mention all the time Elena and her little brain, she, I'm so smart. I'm so pretty. I'm so gorgeous. I can do whatever I want. Like, You know, it was just very important for her to look the same to me. Um, And then they made her look completely different. That's not to say Nina Dobrev, who plays um, Elena in the show, is not gorgeous. She's drop-dead gorgeous, but she's just not what was expected. Um, The plot is just completely different. In the books, Elena has a little sister. In the show, she has a little brother. I believe in the book, her parents also die, and that's part of the reason why... She struggles in the books and the show, but it's just everything from how she finds out Stefan is a vampire to their relationship and how it unfolds to future villains and everything and how they actually work is completely different from the show. And as someone who really, really loved the books as a kid and reread them all the time, it was a little frustrating. I'm not gonna lie. The books, now that I'm older, I try to reread them, and it almost was a bad book. Maybe it was just because I really liked... I grew up in that generation of the vampires and dystopia stuff, so maybe I just fell for it because that was the time to be falling for it. Right. But um, it's almost annoying. Elena's annoying in the books because she's just so irritating. She just... I don't know she's she's so selfish so maybe that's why they changed it in the show but the show is just completely different from the book and it goes on for eight series and in season six elena dies so what was the point of continuing the show for another two seasons and they weren't even two good seasons like the show should have just stopped when she died because in the book she dies as well
1: okay And was that uh, where the book stopped?
0: No, they kept going after. But they kept bringing back Elena, like, spiritually, if I'm remembering correctly. So they would be able to contact Elena when needed. There would be POVs from Elena from beyond the grave. But in the show, she, quote unquote, dies. She's stuck in a casket because she's linked magically to her best friend, Bonnie. And she can't come back to life until Bonnie dies. So they just write her off and continue the show. But it's like, she's the main character. So why do they keep it going? Like, I I just don't understand. I don't understand it.
1: Sounds like that's a money decision right there. Yeah, I
0: mean, I fucking guess. But the whole point of the show is she ends up falling in love with Stefan's brother in the end. And they wanted like a storyline where like Damon redeems himself. And becomes a good person. But he doesn't. He actually ends up becoming a mass murderer. Helping a siren. Christ. Who he has to murder for. And he's just not like. He's still not a good person. And it's really frustrating to me. Because in the show they establish. That Elena and Stefan are actually mystical soulmates. But she ends up with his brother.
1: Because reasons. It's
0: just. Yes. Well I mean from like season 4 they establish that. But they keep it going. Evan, this show was just a really bad adaptation. And if they kept it like the books, it had some potential. But, no.
1: That's what it sounds like, but...
0: Didn't work out that way.
1: Speaking of, should have been kept like the books. Uh, all good if we move on to my bad example of TV?
0: No! No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you no. can go.
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you can go. Okay, so, uh, this is absolutely beating a dead horse. I mean... We all know, I'm not even going to explain the plot cuz we all know Game of Thrones. We all know Game of Thrones. We all know very specifically the final season of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. I mean really I could just say Game of Thrones and end it there cuz immediately every even people who haven't seen the show know about the last season of Game of Thrones is the thing.
0: The Starbucks cup.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's just <laughs>
0: They really didn't give a shit. They were no, like,
1: they, what the fuck? Done. I'm, like, uh, I'm cool giving spoilers on this because everyone knows about this, I think, by this point. Uh, Daenerys. Everyone knows Daenerys. They know that she was the liberator. She was the savior. She was the person who was always kind to others, always beneficial. Literally, they snap their fingers and she murders innocent women and children not just by stabbing them or beheading them, but by setting them on fire, the most painful death in existence. Literally, an episode earlier, she's talking about how she can't do that, how no innocents will die because of her in the next episode. All right, let's kill everybody. Woo, that's fun. She was at her
0: breaking point. you know, She, just, she needed no. to do it. She needed to do what needed to be done.
1: I swear to God. <laughs> she was at her breaking point after the previous episode very clearly not being at her breaking point
0: you know character development it happens so quickly you don't even see it
1: i mean game of thrones just really dropped the ball and that's so disappointing because it was good it was really good but i can never recommend the show because i know how it ends also real character assassination uh jamie he jamie lannister like his whole character through the series is about how he only betrayed his oath. He only killed the person he was sworn to p- protect because that person was going to murder innocent men, women, and children for no reason. And then in the final episode, he goes, I never cared much for innocent people anyways. They can all die for all I care. You know, that doesn't matter to me.
0: Sounds yeah. like he was just breaking point too. He was just like, yeah, I mean, I gotta just, do it, must be at done, I guess.
1: Because he really wanted to fuck his sister that badly. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's the oh, okay. he's the incest. He's
0: the incest. <laughs> well, guy. That's a that's a major bomb you just dropped right here. It's really
1: not. It's literally in the first episode.
0: He is. I haven't an seen a single guy. episode of Game of Thrones. I'm so sorry, but oh
1: so, no, uh, <laughs> my bad for spoiling it there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's okay. I mean, I just like Yeah, two of the main characters are siblings who are very in love with each other in both ways.
0: They said siblings by, wait, what is it? Siblings by blood lovers by choice yeah (laughs) oh
1: god (laughs) like it and like see that's the thing the fact that they were able to make him sympath that character who also mind you uh pushed a kid out of a building and paralyzed him they were able to make him sympathetic and he worked so well and he was actually my favorite character for a while and then they just destroy all of that character development cause gotta wrap up the show you know well, our, us directors, we've got to get to our Star Wars project. Oh, shoot. Our Star Wars project got canceled because we wrapped up the show in a horrible way that everyone hated.
0: Uh, you know what? So funny. We were talking about Twilight earlier. That's exactly what Stephanie Meyer did with the last book in Breaking Dawn. Oh no! So the book literally was just like so trash. We can get into this another time, but it's funny to see how that keeps happening. Still, like you figure people would have learned by now not to do that. But it keeps happening and it makes fans just really like not want to invest further in these shows and these movies, which is really sad because Game of Thrones really had the hype. Like, I truly believe if the last season was really good, I probably would have watched it by now. Um, But I just I know it ends like crap. So why am I going to want to watch it? You know,
1: silver lining. Uh, I was still skeptical about the spinoff that they released, House of the Dragon. That one's actually good. That one's good. Yeah. Like All it took was just having like creators and actors who care about the source material, you know? Again, foreign thought. Whoever would have guessed that that is what makes a show good or not, who knew? You know what I found really
0: funny about the House of Dragon? Is how many people hated... Just absolutely shit on the ending of Game of Thrones, which I mean, if that many people are hating on it, I haven't seen it. It must be well deserved. But it's so funny, just how quickly everybody stormed to watch The House of Dragon, knowing yeah. that clearly the ending was just not that good. They were like, you know what? We'll give we'll give this bitch one more chance. Like, it's really funny to me to have seen that as somebody who's from the outside.
1: No, I I get it, cause from the inside. I was in a similar situation. Like, I was at first going, eh, it won't be good. But then I realized, wait a second. This is actually good. Shit. Th- I like this. Oh, no, I'm back again.
0: Yeah. And it's <laughs> like
1: knowing Hopefully where. It doesn't
0: repeat itself.
1: Yeah. It's like the. I think here's the main thing. Here's what's separating it. Because it is a prequel that's set like hundreds of years earlier. So it's like the ending of this doesn't technically have to be the ending of Game of Thrones. It's like, we can pretend this is its own separate thing. Yeah. Because also, what House of the Dragon does that's so good is that it doesn't shoot you in the face with fan service. It's not like, oh, look, here's all of the legacy characters' ancestors. Look at all of them. Because they can't do that. Yeah. No, they can do that. They can do their ancestors. Oh, like That's true. They can mention... The Stark family five thousand times a second, but they don't. They care about telling a story rather than just, all right, people are just here for the fan service. Give them that, and who the fuck cares?
0: You know, the only thing I know about Game of Thrones is Jon Snow. Apparently, he's a big deal. I don't really know. Mm -hmm. And the little blue motherfuckers. You know who I'm talking about? The walkers or something?
1: White walkers. Yeah. Yeah. They they really dropped the ball there. They have no resolution to their story. They were just like, they're in another world. (laughs) It's like, no, it's not even that. Like, it's not hyperbole. It's just that they straight up drop the storyline. They don't give it any conclusion, any payoff, any anything. It just vanishes pretty much.
0: Maybe the dragons went and set them on fire.
1: I guess that's what I'm going to have to tell myself. Sounds like a common
0: theme of the day. Yeah. (laughs) Just setting things on fire. Woo woo.
1: Exactly. Fire. Yeah. So much fun. (laughs) fire is oh, so scary it is yeah
0: the other day i thought my house was on fire
1: oh shit really
0: <laughs> i really did it was a paper like that had dropped on the floor but it made the perfect like sizzling sound so uh... i like it was i like looked out from my room like because my door was open and i was like oh hell and then i left my pantry light on so i really thought like <laughs> the shit had gotten on fire and I was freaking out for a second. And then I realized I was just being really dramatic. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, God. Well, at least you're safe.
0: Yeah, At least I'm safe because my house was never on fire.
1: <laughs> we just thought it was. The real I just fire thought it was, was inside us all along. The, true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I guess now that we're done talking about good and bad adaptations, uh, let's talk about which form we think serves adaptation is better like is it better to turn a book into a show or into an actual movie like you want to go first
0: i would love to go first okay okay so this is something that i've been thinking about all week basic or well i mean you know since we thought this up i don't think it's been like all week but the idea of a show makes so much sense for adaptations especially multi-book adaptations Like ones like Game of Thrones, uh, The Vampire Diaries, that's a multiple book. It makes sense to have a show, or even like Pretty Little Liars, for example. Um, Pretty Little Liars is actually a perfect example, because the first book is the whole first episode, and then from there, they don't know where to go, and it just completely strays from the book. So, I love the idea of a TV show and being able to delve, because like we covered with Scott Pilgrim... Sometimes it's hard to cover a whole series of a you know graphic novel of a book in like 2 hours. It's almost impossible sometimes. So That's
1: my thought process exactly cuz like Yeah. Uh, the hard. expanse the expanse does it pretty well. It does a season by season basis where each book is basically one season of the show. So like I figure when it's for longer and slow, slow horses does the same thing. It really does. So you it know seems what I will like... say, though? Yeah?
0: Is when you have a TV show, when you're finished with the book's plot, sometimes it just drags on for money, which we covered also with the Vampire Diaries. And it just literally tanked the whole freaking show. So I think I'm going to be on movie side because you can do a movie per book like they did with, like, The Hunger Games and really stay true to the book for the most part. And really have a good successful series but leave it where it needs to be left.
1: Okay, I I can definitely see that argument. For me, I think that mostly because of those really good experiences that I've had with uh like the expanse and slow horses, I'm kind of leaning more towards shows because if it's handled well, instead of changing the source material, they can add on to it, you know? They can Add important scenes that you couldn't have seen before, like a quick example, back to the expanse, uh, in each book, there's only four viewpoints that you really switch between. But in the show, there's all sorts of different things that you can see where it's like, so that's what was going or in the show. Yeah. In the show, you see all these different fields of view, all these different things that are happening at the same time. So it's like, for me, I think that it's a hard question. It really is and there's no good answer because again i feel like it really comes back to that thing that we said before talent and a care for the material like if you truly care about what you're adapting it'll be good no matter the medium you know
0: i will say i think marvel does a really good job in deciding what needs to be tv shows and what needs to be movies because truly as like a WandaVision enthusiast. I could not imagine doing Wandavision as a movie. You just there's too much stuff to cover and not enough time. I I don't think that could have been a movie. Yeah. Like and get the same effect that it really needed to. But like Endgame, that did not need to be a show. If we didn't, it it was it was perfect as a movie. So I think it really comes down to the direction and the writing that people. Well, I guess the show writers take. And what can get approved for TV? Because I feel like that is a big part of it. But I would, I would like to applaud Marvel for being able to do both and do them, for the most part, both pretty well.
1: I think there's an exception, maybe two, because I have opinions on Eternals. I think it would have been better if it were a TV series. Because considering it's one of those stories where it's spanning literal generations... Cramming that into two and a half hours is always going to be a little rushed, in my opinion.
0: You know what, I also think it comes down to actor scheduling, because Eternals did have a a pretty good good casting. So they're a lot more likely to just do a movie, which realistically is going to take a lot less time than a TV show, over doing a TV show. Like, these TV shows, I mean, other than really, like, WandaVision and The Winter Soldier... Who had like you know like the A-list cast because they had movie priors. Um like She-Hulk, I mean there were some really good people in She-Hulk, other or I mean like Daredevil. Yeah. You know, who came back. But like they they had the time to do a TV show. Um what is what's uh Miss Marvel. They had the time to do the TV show. They weren't booked and busy but a lot of these characters, like if they wanted to do Quantumania as a movie or as a show, which I still haven't seen by the way Okay. They're they're booked and busy. They have Paul fucking Rudd. You know what I mean? So it it really depends on the cast, too, I think.
1: That is a good point, yeah. There's a lot of factors. We're getting a little off topic, but that is a good discussion to have. Maybe we could talk about the MCU in another episode, because I know that I've been having some thoughts about that lately.
0: Weren't you and Rudy planning on doing, like, MCU ranking?
1: So we're going to do a ranking. We're definitely doing a tier list ranking. We usually... Do one a year around November, so I think we'll be doing one to coincide with when the Marvels releases, since that got delayed.
0: You guys can. I'll. I don't need to be in that one. I've never read the comics so I feel like you guys have could have a really good discussion with that one.
1: Also, personally, I'm good not being in that one. (laughs) No offense, cast. We also wouldn't have an hour to discuss Wandavision again, so
0: we would not. No.
1: No. But yeah, back to so much to say about Wandavision. All good things. Yeah. I'm Back to m- movies and tv shows on books uh again i think that we pretty much got it covered because like pretty much yeah like i think that a good multi-book series would work as a tv show if they do that one a season approach and if it's like an individual book like the martian make it a movie a hundred percent of the time yeah okay
0: i'm team movies i'm still team movies personally. Okay. That's good. That's okay. um, we're keeping up the theme of us not agreeing on literally anything.
1: We're still never going to agree. Yay. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. God, that's just going to be forever. But going to be forever. Hey, that's part of the fun of this, you know? Is it? And, well, it kind of is. It's, <laughs> is
0: it? Is it really? It's
1: also fun to agree with each other. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we'll agree at some point with
0: gummy candy it'll be like a really random moment and we're just gonna have to revel in it
1: i know we're gonna have to we're gonna have to start listing all of the things we agree about aren't we
0: we both love canes
1: i we love do canes. both love raising canes yeah that's a good point
0: i had that for <laughs> dinner last night it was really good
1: hey nice
0: yeah. i'm happy
1: because we're gonna be getting one in our area soon it looks like and that's gonna be great
0: canes sponsor us
1: Please. Yeah, please do. Please.
0: Please give me free sweet tea for life. That's all I yeah. need. Yeah,
1: But I think I think this is a good place to wrap up the episode.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. Hey, I had fun talking with you, Cass. I
0: had fun talking with you, Evan. Always, 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 always.
1: Always. But yeah, for all the listeners, uh, yeah, this has been Nerd and Normal. Gotta say, have fun, you big nerds. And have fun, all you little normies. Bye.